Hey, this is Mark Justice, and welcome back to Between the Lines. Uh, today we have mystery writer Robert Soul. I, you know, I guess I should have asked Robert how to pronounce your last name. Is Soul or Saul? You got it, Soul. Yeah. Soul. Just... Okay. Hey, Robert Soul. Uh, Robert, welcome to Between the Lines. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is great. I, uh, I've been reading through your novel, um, The Shadow of Death, and uh, looking forward to talking about about that and uh but you know as we met through through stephanie as you saw that episode and you know how i like to start with some broad questions so um let's go back and, and talk a little bit about who some of your favorite writers are hmm. okay um i like uh i'm gonna start off with with uh well you you know horace you might know like there's a guy named christopher pike who's a, a young adult writer um, not the captain of the Enterprise, um, but he did take that pen name from that character before he became as infamous as he's becoming now. Um, so I really liked, um, he did a lot of young adult horror books like in the 80s and 90s, and he's written some some uh, more adult stuff too. But I really like him, Stephen King. Um, Stephen King was you know, huge um, for getting me into, into writing. Um, I like a lot of the... Uh, like kind of like more classic uh sci-fi authors like like uh uh Heinlein and and um Frank Herbert um so yeah those those uh, oh Douglas Adams yes big, big one yeah his, his humor is is delightful um yeah. and you know if it's not it's not for everyone you know Right. Just well, just like any of the writers, Heinlein is a taste that sometimes people don't quite get, and they still don't know if Starship Troopers is meant to, you know, his real voice or if it's meant satirically. Which what I love, I think for him, the, the smartest thing would just to not say a word, you know, let right. people because that just keeps it, people talking about it. Um, and I love I love Herbert too. I mean, the Dune series I think is one of the the best things ever written. Um, and uh, but I also like his other books, those that I experiment, the White Plague, you know. You know, I've never actually read any of his non-Dune books. I need to, to, to get around to that at some point because it just it took me so long to get through all the Dune, all the Dune books. But it was mm -hmm. a lot of it was a good I mean, I used to live very close to a library and I used to walk there all the time. And um, and I spent like a good two years just going through all of the all of the Dune books, yeah. um, which was some time well spent. Oh, say. certainly. Yeah. I, um, I'm reading Heretics of Dune now and I, I keep on starting it. I've started it like six or seven times. And I'm like 200 pages in now, but I haven't read it for several months. And I'm like, I just forget what's going on. I'm like, man, because something always pops up. Something takes my time away from it. And then um, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to get back into finishing that. Uh, because Dune was my favorite book for ages until i read god emperor of dune which i think surpasses dune and yeah it's, 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 I, it's magnificent that, that would be my favorite one as well Definitely. yeah there were a few there were a few times in my life where i've really just slowed down the reading and savored each page there was something about this book when i started reading that i knew that this book was to be savored enjoy each page and I found myself really wanting to be in the presence of Leto and like, oh my, you know, the way he was written with all this prescience and all these memories of all the, you know, the, the right. Reverend mothers and every memory he could pull up and, you know, all this 
wisdom and knowledge that he had uh it was just fascinating and he was every bit as engaging as he was terrifying and um I thought, oh this is magnificent yeah he's an amazing uh, concept for a character oh that, yeah. and that the whole premise of that of that book um yeah it, it's it's great stuff um there's even like i'm a big doctor who fan so i'd even say to fa- favorite authors um a lot of the books i read um as a, as a kid were, were novelizations of doctor who episodes okay so, written by a guy named Ter- terrence sticks so uh, who was also a script editor and, and writer on the on the classic uh series so i have to give a, a shout out to him uh too and then some of the other uh people who wrote those little novelizations but that was like my definition of like a great day as a kid um especially during the summer if i if i, I, if I had one of these little you know because a lot of them were only about 120 pages or so um so a lot of them you could sit down like one you know in one sitting and just plow through them um but i would love to just sit outside like i am now and just just read read one of those books mm-hmm. um, that was like that that was like my perfect day <laughs> it's yeah. like let me do book hopefully preferably an episode i've never seen before um so you know it, it's uh, i'm making the movie in my head that's going to look way better than that episode ever would and and uh and, and just imagine the whole thing um also a big fan of of uh of robotech and uh the you know the classic anime series and and the book series from that um so i'm, I'm this weird person who's like I, some i get into a lot of things sometimes when reading the books first that are started out as TV shows. And I end up being more of a fan of the books than the TV shows, but I still, you know, treasure the TV shows too. Yeah. And Robotech is a big example of that. The books by a guy, well, two guys actually, it was a pen, written under a pen name, uh, Jack McKinney. But it was actually two different people. I believe one of them might've been Brian uh, Daly, I think was one of them. Um, and they, they wrote a whole novelization of that series and they went beyond the novelized some of the comics. And that was some great stuff. So much better than the show. When I actually watched the show, I was like, ah, you know, it has its moments. But um, yeah, they managed to, to make like a way more coherent story. And they added all these like little plot threads and occasionally invented characters like that were just in the background in, in one episode and turned them into like major characters in the, in the series. Uh, so that, that, was, that was a big influence on me too. And just like a, a favorite thing to read for years was, those robotech novels nice yeah i spent many a summer outdoors we had to build a, a swing in our backyard and uh i would just read and read and read in the summer times you know when i was younger and uh that's where i read like the uh michael moorcock the elric of mel nimbere series and uh i read an untold number of books out on that swing just spending the summers you know um if i wasn't playing dungeons and dragons i was reading you know no i totally I mean, totally get it uh dude, once i discovered lovecraft i was like holy shit this is like the most atmospheric crazy stuff i've ever i've ever read mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I didn't really get into lovecraft until i was in college um me, me, didn't me have too. exposure to him and then uh, it was in a creative writing class. Someone had mentioned him, and it came from getting a copy of the Necronomicon. That's oh, that was my introduction to Lovecraft, buying the Necronomicon, not knowing that he had written it, you know, and just reading it like, wow, this is pretty 
pretty weird and crazy, you know, terrifying stuff. Uh, and then once I got into Lovecraft, I'm like, oh, this guy's amazing. And uh, yeah, became a big fan. The same thing for me. I went to art school um, and Barb, like one of the guys who we lived in like this uh, dorm that uh, was called the mansion. Uh, we actually went, this, the school I went to was the, it's the Joe Huber School of uh, Cartoon and Graphic Arts. It's like one of the few schools for comic book artists. And um, that's what I wanted to be initially when I was, well, I always had this push and pull between, should I just write or should I write and draw? And for a while, writing and drawing won out. Um, so I went to the Kubert School and we, we lived in this dorm the first year, it was called the Mansion. It used to be the original school. And uh, one of the guys who lived in there, I was friends with, I borrowed a copy of, of uh, a collection of Lovecraft stories from him and like stayed up all night reading that stuff. And it you know, completely blew my mind. And then mm -hmm. a few years later, I, I, I picked up another one. So I think I, I might've read most of the stuff actually written by Lovecraft himself. Um, yeah, he has some collaborations, um, but but yeah, I picked up uh, his collected works. I mean, even like his juvenilia stuff uh, for I want to say twenty bucks or fifteen dollars. I mean, it's a big hardback volume and it's gorgeous. It's normally like seventy bucks, and it was on sale for fifteen. I'm like, why? Well, I can't pass that up, man. Like fifteen bucks? Are you kidding me? You know, no, no, that's awesome. Um, now. You, your novel that I was reading, and, and you write detective fiction, um, this, this novel is, is that. Uh, what makes a good detective story to you? Hmm. That is a, a good, good question. Because even though the protagonist is a detective and he's going through his detective process, um, and I do enjoy, I love, I'm a big Batman fan, um, and I consider him to be a detective. I love oh, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Um, I guess it's just the mystery, seeing, seeing, you know, I guess the process, the investigative process, um, how they, uh, you know, how they put the clues together, um, that 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 whole thing. Because that's definitely that's the best part of any kind of home story, is picking up on these little clues and and uh, things that other people might dis dismiss or. or you're like, what is the significance of this one little thing that the detective keeps on obsessing over? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, are there any other genres um, that you would like to write? Well, um, like this this book, it's like, like I said, it, you described it as a detective novel. Or, or there's a mystery, that, because there are detectives, but there are some interesting things about it that I wanted to bring up, because like the narrator breaks the fourth wall there's a lot of that personal oh, talking yeah. to the reader right. and and that's why i was wondering like was this always your intent to create that was this like an homage to like the the like the, the hard-boiled detective novels like mickey spillane where you have this you know narrator who's you know working in first person it's a it's a it's a kind right. of a jarring narrator not in a bad sense but it's right. certainly a very specific style that you've been writing in this one yeah um that uh yeah i did want it to be like kind of a noir and no mind that but also kind of like um if you could do that kind of a story but like kind of um without like a lot of the toxicity that goes with it um and still make it like exciting and entertaining um 
because a lot of those characters, you know, they're very self-destructive characters, the protagonists, the detectives in those stories. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, I wanted to create a character that, that one of my friends wrote a review of the book and he was like, and he was like, this is a soft-boiled detective. And I was like, should I be insulted by that? But I was kind of like, no, I mean, that's sort of like what I wanted to go for is that this is a guy who he, he comes across, he has this hard outer shell, but it's just kind of like a role he's playing. Um, he's just kind of projecting this image, but he really, uh, he's really just a nice, sweet person on the inside. And he's just kind of like living up to this kind of like macho image that he's, that he's grown up with and the, that he idolizes. And a lot of the, the story is kind of about like image and people struggling with their identity. Um, like one of the characters grumbles at like these secret societies that are in the story that they're always trying to rebrand themselves and stuff. And, and uh, you know, and that's, that's kind of important to the story in a way. It's, it's about like kind of reinventing yourself or trying to project a certain image uh, versus like who you, who you really are. Um, yeah, the narrator thing, I don't know that I put that much thought into it. I know some, some people have found it jarring, not in a good way. Um, and it's kind of like a fictionalized version of myself. Um, and I guess that's just, I, I some it probably came from my, my, some advice my wife gave me, which is to, to um, when I took too literally, which is to put a lot of myself into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it's really a very like stream it. of consciousness. That's what it feels very stream of conscious. You know, yeah, feeling of it definitely was, and a lot of pieces were. Um, but I did have like a very detailed plan um, at a certain when I got to a certain point um, because I just I realized I, like there was no way I was going to be able to finish it um, or address like any possible plot holes unless I like really mapped it out. Um, really well beforehand, but I was already, you know, several chapters in by that point. Um, and now that's how I operate with like everything. I have like really detailed, like ridiculously detailed plot synopsis um, that I'll that I'll do. But um, this is just the beginning of like a whole series, and I see it as kind of like again because I love Doctor Who, um, and that's something that like you can say broadly it's science fiction, but really when it is done properly it can be anything you can have an episode comedy you can have you know uh, it can be horror um it can pull from all kinds of different uh things so that's that's what i'm kind of shooting for um in a way this whole thing was sort of born from a frustration that i didn't think i'd ever get to work on doctor who because i'm very american um (laughs) and also you know maybe that's a good thing ultimately because um, it maybe it, it is something that should be I mean, that there's left. probably a lot of fan fiction out there i mean that's uh, you know that would be something you could always contribute to i'm sure there are probably thousands of fan fiction stories out there you know from oh, yeah. other rabid fans and i've i've thought about it i have like on the i have like a very uh, i have a whole plot synopsis worked out for something that i was thinking of, of the doctor who fan fiction basically that i've never actually got around to writing um but yeah i wanted to do something that that was sort of like Doctor Who, but not Doctor Who. Um, and Doctor Who in the spirit of it, which is it like anything could happen. You know, one, one week we could be doing one type of story, the next week could be a completely different type of story. And that's, um, so that's how the series of novels is. Um, the next one in the series 
is all about like uh it's it's like going into the afterlife um it's kind of like a bill and ted or dante's inferno kind of uh thing and uh or what dreams may come so that's the sequel so that's like a wildly different type of uh it's more fantasy and um yeah that so that's wildly different from from this one but there's still a mystery story in it too sure and that's what kicks them off there's actually a couple and uh and then the I've written four of them. <laughs> nice. um, and yeah, the next one comes out like in November. Um, the third one is straight up is, is horror. It's vampires and werewolves and the whole the whole nine. So you're multi-genre writer. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. And uh, the fourth one is, is sci-fi. Um, I'm I'm trying to take a twist on the basic like alien invasion kind of story. And then the uh, the last one which I've started a little bit on, but it's, um, that's going to be, that's a tough one. And I'm trying to fill in all the gaps in between because all this stuff happens over a span of 25 years with the, the same characters. Um, so I've done a whole bunch of short stories uh, to try and fill in some of the gaps uh, over that 25 year period. And those are all over the map too, with the, the type of stories that they, that they are. Um, I just finished up one that was, that's like pure sci-fi. Um, like literally yesterday, so yeah, it's yeah, multi genre is is what I'm shooting for. Okay, and, cool. So in a way, you I mean you are kind of living that out now. I mean you are you are writing Doctor Who in a way. I mean the way, no the way. way you described it, you you got a horror, you got sci fi, you got a detective framework, uh, you know mystery, all these things, but within a larger context, it can be anything. You're you're almost in your own metaverse there. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. And because the doctor very much is like kind of like the ultimate detective. If you think about it, every every new uh, story, they land someplace and there's a mystery. You know, they trip over a dead body. People say, Are you, you're the one who did it. You don't, you're not from around here. And then they have to figure out who really did it. So it's very much a detective story, just usually set in space or, you know, sure. it's usually aliens, did it, you know, yeah, uh, gets old after a while, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, so it's, 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 because I, one of my frustrations, I love Doctor as much as I love Doctor Who, I get frustrated with it. I don't feel like it lives up to that potential enough. I think you saw that like in the, the first, like I'm taking it back old school, like, like Hartnell, the first Doctor. The first two seasons, they really tried really hard, I think, to like to show this like range of stories. You know, it's like we're there with cavemen uh, in one episode and, and Daleks the next, you know. Um, they did a lot of like straight up historical stories. Um, and so, yeah, they, they've sort of strayed away from that too much, in my opinion. It's like now, whenever they go back in time, it's like there's always some aliens involved. And I'm like, dude, there's so much dangerous stuff. If you go back even like 100 years, you know, that, that you don't need to throw in aliens. You know, you could just, you know, there's so many dangerous situations that our characters could get into. And, you know, it would be exciting enough if you load it the right way. But there are, there are I guess they've, they've gotten too into their heads that like, it's a sci-fi so we have to have aliens i'm like right. no the sci-fi part is just like how you got but once you're there you can leave that at the door and just do whatever you want you know yeah it's just the uh yeah the signpost at the door as the twilight zone would say right um well since you you are writing in so many different genres let, let's talk a little bit about world building because you you have to have a worlds for these characters to inhabit so yeah. how do you go about in designing your world or worlds um 
the kind of the the backbone of this world uh, that these stories are set in, which I call the the dead end world, um, is which I got that phrase from it. It's from a Pet Shop Boy song from from West End Girls, because I just it just stuck in my head. I just liked it. I'm just like, and then I and then I so at first I was calling it that just for the hell of it, just because I liked it. And then I actually came up with like a real reason why it's called that, um, which is that one of the premises in, in this story, there's, there are aliens, but they're, they've just kind of like written us off. They're just kind of like, those humans are just gonna kill themselves off in another like 50 years or hundred years. And, um, you know, they're just studying us and trying to collect genetic samples and stuff. So, but they pretty much like, they, they're just like, you know, the human race, they had some potential, you know, nice planet, but whatever. So, so that that's the their term for our world is that it's a dead end world. Um, that's what they mean. That's what they mean by any planet that's on a path to like destruction. And uh, so the the whole overarching theme of the whole series, I hope if I do it right, was would be that by the end of the series we're on a path that's, you know, we're maybe we're not going to kill ourselves. And you know maybe the aliens will think we're worth talking to, <laughs> you know. But for now they're just kind of like, "Ooh, you guys! I don't know, you're you're scaring me here." Um. But as far as like world building, um, the the a, a lot with this particular thing, the guilds, the uh, the secret societies, are kind of like the backbone of of, of that whole concept. Um. And it's funny, I, I wrote a version of this like back in the 90s, which was like pretty different. Um, and I just like the idea of secret societies. I didn't know anything about the alleged real ones at the time. And I'm glad I didn't, because after I wrote that earlier draft of this story, I went like I researched, you know, Illuminati and the Masons and all this stuff. And some of that stuff is incredibly dull. Like I was like, my God, like the real secret society is like, some of it's cool, but some of it's really dull. Or I'd be like, these guys don't sound so bad to me. <laughs> like maybe I joined them. Um, they've got a bad rap. Um, and I tried reading like the uh, the, the Illuminatus uh, trilogy by Robert mm -hmm. Anderson, which is really really popular yeah. at one point. Right. And and I and I don't want to like trash his legacy, but I just didn't like it. I was just like, it was it's that talk about stream of consciousness. Yeah, he was I, like. I found yeah. a copy at a at a yard sale for a dollar or something. The, all, the whole trilogy in one giant. Yeah, that's like, the one I had. Yeah, I'm it like, I gotta get, I, I gotta get it. It's got a big, you know, the big eye, the, yeah. the pyramid on it. I'm like, yeah, I gotta get this. So yeah, I started researching all that stuff just because I was like, I wonder how close to like the truth I actually came in my book, and I was like, oh, not at all. But then I was totally happy with that because I was like, honestly, like I like the idea of like secret societies of like pirates and, and knights and cowboys <laughs> and that that's a lot more fun than like you know just some some dudes that like do weird rituals in like a, a musty old hall somewhere you know um so i was totally fine with the fact that it's like this this fantasy thing um i i, I think a lot of it was, came from trying to figure out like um how magic works in this world and kind of my frustration with some of the harry potter stuff um like I wanted to have like a possible explanation for what magic is, which some people would say that drains all the magic from things, over explaining things and taking away the mystery. But 
I think I leave it somewhat open-ended where they're just kind of like, well, this is one way of explaining it. We kind of really don't know what's going on, but this, this explanation works for most people. Um, and I like this idea, like, like one of the things that's always confused me with Harry Potter is that like, why don't the magic people just take over the damn world? You know, like what the hell, you know, like why do you put up with all this muggleness? Um, so I kind of wanted to ad address that. And that's really a lot of the heart of this, this book is that, you know, that the mad, you know, magic people did dominate the world once, magic users, and they, they fucked it up. They almost destroyed the whole place. And they, after that, they were like, okay, we're only gonna let a very select group of people use magic. And we're gonna keep a very careful eye on anybody else to make sure that they're not, you know, rediscovering these magical secrets. And if they do, um, we're either gonna recruit them or, or take care of them some, somehow. Um, so, so, yeah, I wanted to kind of answer that question to my satisfaction of like, why don't the magic people like, why aren't they running the world in Harry Potter? Like, why are they, that just seemed crazy to me that, that you could have people with this kind of power and that they wouldn't exploit it. There had to be like a good explanation for that. Um, and also I just like another thing with Harry Potter, it's always confused me is like, and one of the things that I, I love to dive into in this is kind of like religion. Um, and, and have that intersect with like fantasy stories that are set in the real world. Because um, like with Harry Potter, it's like they celebrate Christmas and stuff, but I'm like, so how does that relate to like, so that implies that like a lot of them are Christians, but then how do they rec reconcile that with like their magic using? Like, where does the magic come from? Well, they can, they can be pagans and celebrate Christmas. You know, those, yeah, those, those, those roots had, you were in pagan history far before Christianity became religion. It's, so it's ninety percent pagan stuff. Yeah, and a lot like, of a lot of cultures and still celebrate the the pagan aspects of Christmas, the gift giving in the trees, and those kinds of oh, secular yeah. secular things without the over and religious themes. I don't consider myself to be like you know like really Christian, but we still do Christmas just because it's fun, and mm -hmm. you know it's like it's what I grew up doing. It would be weird not to do it. So, but but yeah, it's like just but you know it's a kids book. They don't want to go there. But I, 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 I'm always fascinated with like when characters are presented with some kind of otherworldly thing in a, in a story that's allegedly set in our real world or some variation of it. I always like wonder, like, how do they reconcile this with whatever religious ideas they might have or, or not have? Um, so for some reason, that question fascinates me. So you'll see through throughout the book at various points when people are confronted with some weird shit. <laughs> You know, it makes them question, like, you know, things, or they're trying to make sense of it. Yeah. Um, well, that's. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was the next thing I wanted to talk with you about is your characters, and you know, once you have a world, you have to have characters to live in that world. So, how do you go about uh, creating um, and developing your characters? Um, it just it suits the story. Like with this one, because it's a uh, it's a series. You know, and I, and I see it as like very much like an ensemble thing. So, you know, I started out with like, you know, I have to have the detective because that's the guy who solves the mysteries or at least starts solving the mysteries. Um, you know, I wanted to have to give him a sidekick kind of character, um, kind of in a way to make fun of sidekicks um, or just like the weirdness of that idea is, is how that started out. But, you know, you have to have like your Robin and your, or your Dr. Watson that the, you know that you can explain things to 
as a stand-in for the audience and all that. And then, you know, the, there was that whole, that whole trope of detective stuff where you've got like the, you know, the, the, the secretary that, you know, that, that uh, may, maybe the uh, detective's in love with, but are they going to get together? Are they not going to get together? Which actually, in my case, is more um, inspired by kind of like uh, James Bond and Miss, Miss Moneypenny when I'd watch Bond films and I'd always be like, what is up with those two? I mean, just, just do it already. <laughs> There's a lot of flirtation, <laughs> but nothing ever happens. Yeah. So um, really that was the initial um, inspiration for, for Naomi. And then that character went in a different direction, like years later when I, cause like I said, there was an earlier version of the story that I wrote in the nineties. And then, um, and then I was inspired to like kind of revisit the story. Cause these characters never really left me. And, um, and I lost that original version. So I was just kind of going off of memory of it, but I didn't want to like, um, I didn't want to let be held hostage by stuff that happened in the earlier version. Like if I thought that something made a lot more sense, um, one way I was just going to do whatever made, made the most sense to me now. Like I wasn't trying to like recreate this thing that I wrote once. I wanted it to be something that was like relevant to who I, who I am now. Cause I'm not the yeah, same person I was when I was 19, you know, I'm yeah, 30 years, yeah, 25 <laughs> years later, you're not going to be the same writer. I mean, you're not going to be the same writer from one year to, to the next, from one book That's to true. the next, you know? Um, Very true. So having that big gap in between it, it is, you're going back to an idea you had, but you are coming, coming in fresh. Cause you're, you're a different person than when you wrote that earlier draft. Oh yeah. And even like the other, some of the other books in the series are also based on, because um, I want, I always wanted it to be a series. And so I had like other sequel ideas planned. And even those, like, you know, I still have the plot synopsis from those, which weren't as well developed as what I use now. But um, even with those, yeah, I was, I, I allowed myself to have that kind of flexibility. I'd look at this plot synopsis and I'd be like, what are the ideas in here that still appeal to me? or I think are still good and compelling ideas. And then what are the things that, that really are just kind of like stupid or silly or don't really work? And do I really want to hit myself over the head trying to make this thing work, you know, just because it was in the original version and, you know, it just makes more sense to do it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Well, okay. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, which of your characters would you most like to have a drink with? That's a good question. Probably Randy. Um, R Randy is very much like, kind of like an, an an idealized person for me. Like I feel like that's that's like what 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 people should should be like. He's like Randy's a very like laid back and like I'm gonna go with the flow kind of person and and just enjoy life, um, and and very wise in his own way. Um, so yeah, probably Randy. Uh -huh. um, Maybe Naomi would be next up because she's she's a she's very into history. Um, later on in the series, she becomes like a history professor and stuff. So she 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 has all this like knowledge. She would be a very interesting person to talk to. Um, what would, what would the first? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was I, I was interjecting. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was going to ask uh, what would be the first question you'd ask Randy or Naomi? Oh my god! Wow. Um, it's weird because it's like I I feel like I already know them. So. Right, right. I, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like you you created them. You kind of got to know right. what they would say. But if That's they're like, living, 
and sometimes when you create characters, they kind of they kind of grow and and do things in a way that you don't initially plan them for to do, right. and they kind of become the real person in your mind. Uh, I mean, there are a handful of characters that I've created that have exist in a, in a way that's beyond the page that I wouldn't mind sitting down and talking with. You know, I've never done that mental exercise. They're you know they're still my creation, but I'm thinking, yeah, there's probably two or three I wouldn't mind just sitting down and just just talking with them. You know. Yeah. So what would be that first question? Um, I would be like, how, how do you, how do you do it? Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he is a very calm and cool and collected character. And kind of like later on in the series, he's also kind of like, which this doesn't describe myself, but it's one of, the, he's like polyamorous and stuff. And he makes it work. And I'm just like, it's one of those things, it's like, it sounds great in theory, but I know I'm too jealous of a person to yeah. ever pull that off and too possessive to ever pull that off. Um, but it's like one of those things I'm like, that's how humans should be. <laughs> that's the ideal. That's what I mean when I say he's like an ideal person. Right. Like he can pull off these things that's like, this is how people should should be ideally, but very few of us, I think, can actually do it. Um, so yeah, I would be like, dude, how do you do it? Even though again, I kind of know the answers. That he's he's a super old, even though like he's the youngest like main character in this particular book. Um, he's like just a super old soul. Like he's he's been around for a long, long time. So <laughs> he, I'm sure he's fucked up plenty. He's got to figure though, it out. Yeah, even though he's an ideal character, I try not to make characters that are like. And this is the accusation that gets used against like female characters more but it's the Mary Sue type of thing. But I think you can totally have like a male Mary Sue too or whatever. So I try to show, show that he's got flaws too, even though he's like as close to perfect as maybe a human being can be, he's still a freaking human being. So he still screws up. And so there are, there are definite moments in some of the other stories and books that I've written where he, he fucks up. <laughs> sure. Um, we got to have characters I, with flaws to make them believable. You know, we, uh, we need to have those those characters who are not so Pollyanna and perfect. You know? Right. Oh, I get that. Okay. Oh, I like that. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about your, you know, plotting and, and just your general creative process. Can you, can you tell, talk a little bit about how you go about with your, what your creative process is when you, when you're like starting an idea for a book or as you're working on it? Um, I just think about it a lot <laughs> and then I start and I might jot down like a very basic um, idea of what the plot is. Um, and then I start to flesh it out, um, you know, like kind of uh, chapter by chapter or I'll kind of do like, you know, I write that little very brief plot synopsis. that's almost like a blurb for, for the book. Um, and then I might do some characters. There's like unique characters that are beyond the main cast actually there always are um I, i'll write some stuff about about the characters and then i might start like okay how am i actually gonna break this down into like chapters and and stuff so you're you're a it sounds like you kind of have some sense of organization like plotting versus pantsing but that kind of came about later on in your writing were you a pantser yeah. earlier on yes definitely i was because okay I, I really was just like, I'm just going to make it up as I go along. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's something to be said for that. But I think the reason why I'm kind of so organized now is that that's what helps me to, to 
to see something through to the end. Because my problem is when I was when I was pantsing my 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 way through life, is that I was um I didn't finish a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, the third book in this series is actually a rewrite of the first book I ever tried to write when I was like 15 years old. And I got like, and it was, you know, it was, there were some really good bits in it. I got about like a third into it. And then I just realized I didn't know what the hell, you know, was supposed to happen next. Yeah. And or, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't commit to like, you know, something that I found completely satisfying for like where I was supposed to go with it. And so this, I, I ended up making it a part of the series that wasn't originally, it was completely unrelated. Cause I was just like, I need to have an ending. Like still years later, it was bugging me. I'm like, whatever happened to those guys? I remember literally I was at work one time, incredibly bored. And I was like, whatever happened to those characters from that book? I was like, cause they were teenagers, teenagers. And I was like, they'd be grown up now. Where are they now? And I was like, and my answer immediately was like, they're working in Matt Spike's office. And I was like, well, then how did they get into Matt Spike's office? I was like, Oh, well, you know, the one the main character in that story, he was a, he was like, a, he was a runaway. I was like, well, his parents hired Matt to find him. And then he comes and saves them from like the vampires and the werewolves and shit. And, and I was, so that is eventually more or less a very brief synopsis of that, <laughs> that book. Nice. Uh, Cause yeah, I was just wondering like, where would they be today? And then I was like, wouldn't it be cool if like these, this one character that I invented for this other thing shows up and, and he, you know, help save them. And then that's how that story ended. Cause I never had a, 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 an ending for that story that made me happy. And then I wrote it and I was like, yes, this is, this is what was meant to be. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, when it's right, you know, when you're just writing and you're completely free, uh, there's something special about that feeling, you know, no, I, I get that. I get that. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about writing process because we, you know, we had talked that you've been talking right. a little bit about it, but as you will go, but so what part about the writing process do you like the most? Hmm. I, I just kind of love it. Like you said, when the characters surprise you and they just kind of like, you find yourself writing this shit and you're like, this isn't quite what I planned. Then I try to make myself very open for that. Like leave myself open to, if the characters are telling me, no, this is what I would do. You have to listen to them because they're they're them. You know, you don't want to force them into doing some shit that, that doesn't seem right for that character. Right, because it'll uh, stick it'll stick out like a sore thumb on the page. You will know it. Yeah. That it's if it's not honest. Exactly. You'll you'll feel it and the readers will feel it too. Yeah, exactly. So even though they might start to lead you in a particular direction and it might conflict with like how I originally envisioned things, but you know, I'll go with it. I'll just I'll go with it and I'll be like, this is better because this is the character telling me what they would do like they're writing themselves sure and i think that feels that feels like really magical when it's like the characters are writing the story i'm not writing the story yes yeah i had a couple scenes like that when i was writing my first book um where it i i just realized you know i was into this and i felt like a fly on the wall i was just just typing as fast as i could because I, the characters were just talking and doing their things and I'm just transcribing it. You know, like I'm just a visitor in this, in this space. Yeah. I, it didn't feel like creating at all as much as just dictating. And, and yeah. I, when I was done with that scene, my cheeks were hurting. I'm like, why is my face so sore? I'm like, Oh, cause I was smiling throughout this entire, like two hours. I was like so happy that I wrote this scene and it felt so free and, and like, Oh my God, the characters just took over. It was just elation, you know? 
No, I, I relate to that so much because there, there are parts where it's like, or I guess in a sort of way I, I am pantsing it a bit because it's like I, I generally know what's going to happen, but I don't know like breakdown by breakdown how they get from point A to point B. And then it just happens and it's like seeing a freaking movie in my head and it just happens and it's like so, it's so great. There was this, this scene in this, one of the short stories or really it's a novella that I wrote not too long ago or the end of that story, near the end of that story, there's a couple of battles that happen. And I, and that's usually how battle scenes happen for me. Like, I, like in my, <laughs> you know, my plot will will be like, they fight, you know, and it's, but I don't usually go into like great detail, but when I get to the scenes and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Like, how does the fight go down? And then it just happens. And then it's like, great. Like it's, it's I'm seeing like all the action unfolding and it, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like cool. you're really just channeling something, you know. It's, it's, and I feel like sometimes, you know, I'm anticipating that someday people will ask me, like, why did you do this in the story? Why did that happen? Why did you choose to go with that? And it, it sounds like a smart-ass answer, maybe, but it's I'm just like that's what happens. Like, you know, I'm not trying to be like a smart-ass by saying that, but I really feel like that's how it had to happen. Sure. That's how, right? Even though you know making this up um and it's not i'm not describing a real event but it does feel like like it had to be this way any other way would have been would have been wrong you know yeah, right no i get that you know i get that i mean i'm much more of a plotter like my current book which is the second in a four book series uh like the outlines like 23 or 26 pages you know but i still have to get from point a to point b even though i know a lot of things that are going to happen that doesn't fill in all the blanks i mean there's still those moments of discovery and invention and and imagination that have to take you from point a to point b to point c you know so no i i i I totally get that you know there's still a lot of room for letting the book and the characters kind of breathe you know because that's real real dialogue doesn't necessarily you're not there just to push the story you're there to let the characters develop themselves and let the reader kind of invest into who these you know characters are and uh so no i i totally get that um was there a part of the writing process that you liked the least hmm um i mean i do like it a lot (laughs) Because it's really, it's very much my my escape from reality or whatever. Um, sometimes just like the end, getting near the end. Um, because sometimes I feel like, sometimes I'm kind of like, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. But <laughs> I, I don't want to rush, you know? I don't yeah. rush the end. Um, and then also, I don't want to drag it out too much either. Which And mm-hmm. this book has like two freaking epilogues, which actually becomes a thing. Like most of the the books in this series, there's like epilogue one, epilogue two, because <laughs> I'm just like you know I'm like well what are th- what did this group of characters do afterwards and what did this group, um, you know or I feel like I need to put more of a final final work things, um, but yeah the endings are endings are tough. Um, there's one that like the, the 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 fourth book in this series I still there's like a chapter I was originally going to include where this um. This one character makes a big impassioned speech to uh, try and save this one character who's basically on trial, um, who is his goddaughter, who is his professor um, uh, as the uh, the leader of the guilds, and and he so he's 
I had this whole thing planned out and then I just didn't do it. Instead, I did characters reacting to it afterwards because it just didn't feel right. Um, so, so that whole chapter, I didn't even write it, but it was in the synopsis. Like, that, yeah, like Bron Bronson uh, McDowell comes down and he, he, it was supposed to be his only appearance in the book. Um, and he comes to defend his, his goddaughter who's in the next book. You haven't met her yet. Um, and, and try to justify what she did. And, but it just, I was like, no, I'm just going to leave that up to the people's imaginations and you'll just find out what happened from other characters talking about it. Um, and I still don't know if that was a good decision or a bad decision. There's part of me that feels like I should have put Bronson, I should include the Bronson scene, but I don't know, but I, I just don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> you have to kind of trust your gut. At some point, yeah. you just have to kind of go with what you think is right. And it's a story you can always pick up later, you know, in another yeah. book or something. If, if, if I feel like it's that important, but yeah, I just felt like, I felt like this, this story's a, it, it needs to end. I felt like we're close. Yeah. Like I felt load stuff down too much. Like, do I really want to have like a big chapter where it's mainly a guy giving a speech? I've done that before. <laughs> the same guy, um, you know? So I'm just like, nah, like, we're just going to skip that. You, you don't, you don't need to actually see it. Yeah. About three quarters of a way into a, into drafting um i i get ready to write i'm done with the book like i am i hit a wall of creativity like and by then i've i've rehearsed the end so many times in my head it's almost like i've already written it and it's just yeah. like i just got to force my fingers to like just type the words to get me to the end you know yeah. um because there's other other projects like leering in the wings like mm, you're gonna write me next you know so oh, yeah. i no, i totally i totally relate to that um, <clears throat> you had mentioned putting yourself, you know, into your characters. I think it's something that we all do to an extent, um, cause we have to, you know, we, we know ourselves, you know, most of anyone and we have to invest something, you know, part of ourselves into that. Do you find yourself, uh, like how much of yourself do you find that you put into your characters? A whole lot. I, um, I literally will give them my memories. So like a lot of the main characters have different chunks of my memories of things that when they describe things that happened to them in the past, um, it's, it's things that happened to me or a version, you know, a, a, a fictionalized version of what happened, uh, something that happened to me. So yeah, so I totally just use the character sometimes to kind of explore Sometimes it's just a funny story. It's, I'm just relating like, yeah, that, that was cute. I should, you know, that would be a fun little thing to put in the story. But, but sometimes I am kind of like, in a way, like exploring some kind of trauma or, or you're know, trying to process some weird shit that, that might have happened to me, but through the characters. Sure. Um, and, and I feel like that makes it feel like more authentic too, because it's like, you know, I'm kind of like reliving something a little bit through this, this character. So it makes it easier to hopefully when I'm describing it, that it really feels real. Cause it, it was real to some extent. I mean, mm -hmm. a version of this or that happened. <clears throat> but yeah, I do that a lot. Like Matt has a lot of my memories. Um, Naomi, not so much, but a little bit. Um, and Randy has, has not so much my memories, but a lot of his, uh, uh, so, like just kind of like his vibe. Of, of like his past and stuff is, is has echoes with my own life um and then there's characters you haven't met yet 
um, there's this one character. Well, April's at the end of the book, um, and and she becomes much more important character in the later stories. Um, mainly because I felt like I I just chucked her in at the end of this book. And then I, I always felt bad about that. I was like, I was like, I'm just gonna give Wendy a girlfriend. Just, you know, she shouldn't be alone. And then I was like, well, this sucks. Like, who is this person? So I've, I, she's become like a major, like I've written like basically like two novellas about her. And so she has like a lot of my memories because of that. Um, so I've invested heavily into that character. Just as I, I get, I have guilt when I create characters that are, <laughs> that are, kind of like like a, uh and i'm gonna pronounce this wrong like do sex machina um okay. like they're just they just exist to serve a purpose like this person needs a girlfriend or a boyfriend you know um and then i'm like i don't want them to be just like they just you know they're, they're this flat you know i want to know who they are um so like i kind of like make a little promise if i don't develop them much in one story but i plan on having them stick around that i'm gonna mm-hmm. lead, i'm like we will get to you, my friend. You right. Well, that's the benefit of having a series. You know, you yeah. you're going to be val- definitely. You can't develop every character with every book, so I, I totally get that. And in, in my cozy series, um, you know, I have a cast of characters you meet in the first book, and some are pre- you know main characters, and some are secondary and tertiary. And my purpose in the second book was to some of those secondary characters in the first book are now going to be more central to this one and as I introduce more characters with every book so no I totally I totally get that everyone gets their time in the sun you know oh yeah and yeah. there's characters and I invent like like that sometimes and then I end up taking over the, the show and like there's mm-hmm. a there's a character in the third book um named Prospero like like the Shakespearean character and he's a he's and he he's a werewolf he's a Scottish werewolf who quotes Shakespeare incessantly in my head canon that I, I he actually was a because uh, he's like hundreds of years old. He he actually knew Shakespeare and, and was an actor in his in his plays and shit. Um, but he doesn't even know that because like his me- your memory starts to go after a couple of hundred years. Your brain literally can't hold all the memories without magical assistance. Um, so I just invented him as like a sidekick character for one of the the this vampire who he's friends with to talk to. And then I loved him so much. He was some, and he ended up being in the fourth book. Cause I was like, well, I kind of need, cause he's also a wizard, like, like Prospero was. And, and so I needed like another wizard character to, 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 uh, for, for that, for part of that story. And I was like, well, why not Prospero? He's still around. And so, so I, I love it when shit like that happens. And yeah. Like, really take on a life of their own. And, and, and the character they, takes, yeah, it becomes larger than what you intended. Right. You know? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I totally get that. That's exciting. Um, I totally understand that process. Uh, do you do you any research for your books? And if so, what kinds? Uh, just it's unfortunately mostly limited to the the, the dubious nature of the internet because um, I don't get out as much as I'd like to. Um, but yeah, I just I Google the hell out of shit. Um, you know, try not to rely too heavily on Wikipedia, although it has a bad rap in a lot of cases because there's some stuff that like. You know, you don't want to, to get certain types of information. There's certain things that are just so bland that nobody has any interest in distorting. Um, you know what I mean? But still, you want to corroborate with other sources. Um, like stuff with, um, in this book, specifically, like with, with Matt. And um, I had to Google a lot of stuff about, like, how do you become a detective? Like, 
you know, like how, you know, how do you get that, the license and stuff? What is, and, and specifically in the state that he was in, um, you know, like what's the youngest you could, you could be and, and be a detective and have some degree of experience. And so it's a lot of stuff like that. Um, aside from just anything that I might actually have life experience um, with. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of my research is just, which thank God, because it, this would have been so, so hard to do. Um, you know, it was hard to do like 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, yeah, you had, had to go to the library. The library, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I remember in the original version of the story that I wrote in the 90s, Matt totally got his license through like some kind of shady like mail order, you know, mail away to become get a detective badge. Type of, like he he was a lot more like illegitimate. Um, and, you know, and I, I, I was originally going to stick with that. And then I was like, I want him to be he's a character. He was, he's a lot more competent in this version because originally he was more of just like a goofy, like like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and just kind of lucks in the shit um, type of character. But I wanted him to be like, no, he, I was like, he can't, he wouldn't be in business if he was this bad. Like, it just makes no sense. Like, he would have gone out of business long ago. So I was like, he needs to be a bit more competent and, and good at his job than what I had originally planned for. Mm, nice. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, when you're writing, uh, do you listen to any kind of music or anything or have any distractions uh, on the background or do you do you like it completely silent? No, I have I, I, I it works so much better with music. Like I can't do it without without music. I can't I shouldn't say I can't do it, but I feel like it's better with the music. Um, so. So, yeah, I definitely love to listen to music. Music is a big part of this whole uh, process. And this book in particular, the, the Shadow of Death, a lot of it was a lot of it was like inspired by like they might be giants which i'm not as hugely into them as i used to be as a band but um but when i did the original version back in the 90s they were like my favorite band and a lot of it was just like inspired by me trying to make sense out of their incredibly oblique lyrics um and i mean like the the main villain in this book is is totally based off of this this one song called kiss me son of god and i use a lot of their song titles in the in the the titles of of, of uh chapters because you can get away with that <laughs> so i'm told so far i have um i wanted to originally in the version well, maybe maybe have, they'll listen to this podcast and they'll come after you now you never know or they well, might say hey robert thanks for for including us in your book you never know i know that that's or they'd be like this was the worst piece of shit and you don't want to see with it um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, in, in my, in my dream world, they, they will read the book someday and, and, and love it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've never had the, the, the guts to actually approach them about it. But, um, originally I had quotes from a lot, not just them, um, but it was a lot from them and uh, quotes, uh, at the beginning of the chapters from them, um, from different songs. Um, and I actually, there might actually be a, a couple of copies floating around out there that still have that. <laughs> um, I think but, if, you, if you give them a copyright, I think that's all you have to do is just, you know, well, show the where the copyright from. And and I'm not sure the fair use usually allows you to use certain percentage of another's work without having to pay for it. It's, it's usually, you know, 10% or something. Yeah. I, I did a little research on it and I just, it scared the pants out of me. So the, that makes no sense um it scared the pants off of me that's what i'm trying to say so um yeah because i was just like 
the, all, the articles I read on were basically like bands are super proprietary about their lyrics and you have to get permission from their lawyers and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, I'm just going to take them out. So <laughs> that's what I did. And it, it hurt me so bad to take all those song lyrics out. But, um, but I was like, I cannot afford legal action right now. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> or, no, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, totally when I'm getting to a chapter, like I, um, and even though I'm going to take these out, I'm still going to continue this tradition when I write the next couple of books in the series that I haven't written yet. Um, but yeah, I will still come up with like a quote that I think sums up the chapter well from a song because that, that very much sets the mood for, for me. Um, it would be so easy for me to make like a soundtrack to any of these books because, um, because part of the process of writing it was figuring out like what, what song quotes were going to be at the beginning of every chapter. And so you could just take those songs and bam, that's playing at some point during that, that chapter. Um, but yeah, so music is incredibly uh, a large part of it. And I don't, I don't know if you've, if you've finished the book, but by the end of the book, like Randy's in a band and that, that becomes a, a thing like in, in the next couple of books in, in, the, in, the, in the series and stuff. So. No, I, ha- I have not finished it. Um, you know, I, I read it to get it. I wanted a taste of it and kind of, you know, that's where I got the, you're the, the breaking the fourth wall and the, the mystery right. aspect and the, you know, the characterization and, you know, but uh, now I look forward to reading the rest of it. Um, yeah. It's, there's, there's some wild shit in there. <laughs> it's so I'm like, it, I don't know how to categorize the, the book because it's really, it's, it's a kitchen sink mix of everything that I'm, I was interested in. Cause at the time when I wrote this one, um, you know, the, the nineties version was supposed to be like the beginning of a series of books I wanted to do. But this one, I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an adult with a full-time job and a kid and two kids and a wife. And I don't know that I'm going to have time to, 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 to write books and stuff. Like, you know, a whole series of books. Like, that's a major commitment. So I just wanted to get, like, it all out in this one book. I'm like, every kind of, like, crazy idea I've had, it's gonna, I'm going to work it in there somehow. This is going to be, like, the most me book that there is. Like, the biggest, like, expression of who I am and all the stuff that I'm interested in. And, uh, and then when I finished it, I was like, I miss those guys. <laughs> it was two things. It was like, I miss those guys. I really want to spend more time with those characters. And then it was also like, you know, I was like, I could expand this into like a whole universe because there's so much potential for other stories. Um, there's, there's like with the world building that, that I had done in this one that, that wasn't as developed in the original version. Um, there were just so many like little things that just get mentioned casually throughout the story when characters are having conversations. And I was like, I could turn that into a whole story. And at this point I basically had <laughs> for the past year, I've just been writing like short stories. And a lot of them are based off of things like that. Just like throwaway mentions that characters will make in some of the other, in this book and some of the other ones. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to dive into like this thing that they just like barely mentioned. And so if anybody's interested, here's what, here's what happened, you know, with that, with that thing. Um, so yeah, I couldn't let them go. And I was like, so I, I went and I dug up my plot synopsis for some of the, the older, the original sequels that I had planned. And, uh, and I just started writing them in the order of like, what appealed to me the most. Cause the one that, en- that is now the second book was originally the third book. <laughs> and the book that is the fourth book now was originally the second book <laughs> uh, and the okay. third book 
wasn't even part of the series, which is the one with the vampires and werewolves, you know, but I had decided a few years ago, I'm like, it, that should be how it ends. So, so yeah, so I, I, I went and I revisited all those, those old notes that I had and I was like, okay, you know, how can I make this relevant to like who I am now and what I want to say about the world now? Um, Cause if I don't do that, it's not going to be interesting enough for me to want to even like to finish yeah. it. Right. Or you have to invest something of your, there is, there's gotta be a reason why you're writing it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and if I'm not going to find it interesting, no, nobody else will. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You have to invest something real. It can't be just, you're not a machine. You can't just write the words. You have to feel it to, at some level, you know? No, no, I, I, I get that. Um, you know, you had mentioned about some copies of your books coming out, you know, with, uh, with, you know, some of those old copies will have some of the lyrics in them. So t tell me how you felt seeing your book in print for the first time. It was unreal. Cause you know, it's, it's funny is that, that word got out at my job that I, it, um, actually, they knew that I was writing stuff and they'd ask me, Oh, what are you, what are you going to do about getting this published and stuff? And then like, when I went in and finally did it through, through KDP, um, one of the people I work with knew about it because they were like the only person at work that I had had on Facebook as a friend. Because my general policy is I don't friend people I work with um, until like maybe they've left. And then I'm like, bam, now I'm going to friend you. Because I want to be free to like just, if I don't do this, but I'd like to have the freedom to bitch about my job <laughs> if I want to online and not you know, have to worry about like, you know, somebody hauling me into the office and being like, you're representing us in a very bad light. Uh, you know, you've, you violated our internet policy. So I'm just like, the best way to avoid that is A, don't do it, but B, just don't friend people who are, who's gonna, who's ever gonna see this, you know? Um, but this one person I made an exception for. And so they knew, and they had the book before I did. So I didn't, I hadn't even ordered a copy for myself. I just went into work one day and they were like, well, you signed my book. And I was like, what? I was like, you, you have my book. And I, it was, it was like, I was like, kind of almost like, can I just be alone with it for a minute? Like, didn't, I didn't say that, but I kind of wanted to be like, wow, it's, it's the weirdest feeling. Cause this is something that, especially in my case, cause I started, you know, I wrote a version of this in, in the nineties and then never did anything with it and then lost it. This is something that's just been in my head for so long and to see it like manifesting into like a reality because I had never even printed out a copy of this before they went through this whole play. I didn't even have like any kind of physical copy of it. Um, and I almost lost the damn thing. I almost deleted the thing by accident one time and then I was able to recover it. So, <laughs> so to, to have a physical copy I could actually hold in my hands, it was just unbelievable. That, and again, like talking about magic, that felt like magic because it's like you, you thought of a thing and now this thing is real. It exists, you know? Um, so that that was an amazing feeling for sure oh yeah uh yeah i get it it is very surreal yeah. speaking of surreal and fantasy um what is your writer fantasy wow um pretty humble i'd say i i, I would i would be happy i'm gonna steal stephanie's uh, uh answer to some extent because like when she said it i was like yes me too um, but she said, if people wrote fan fiction, and I even referenced this in the book, although I'm kind of making fun of fan fiction, but, um, but you know, in a loving way, hopefully. But I would be so incredibly flattered if somebody like liked these characters enough to like write their own shit um, with these characters. 
Um, that's the most flattering thing in the world to me. And then if, and then somebody made like a wiki um, who's not related to me, because I have this fantasy to my daughter, because my daughter likes these books, um, even though they're not quite age appropriate um, <laughs> for her. But um, that maybe she'll make a wiki for me one day. Um, but if somebody I didn't even know made like a wiki or something, like trying to like make sense of all this stuff, I would be like, whoa. So they'll, they'll so know you, your stuff better than you do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. No, I totally get that. Yeah. There are fans. I think Stephen King talks about that. There are people who know everything about his, about his books because as a writer, like once you write it and let it go, you're on to the next project. You know, you just forget, yeah. you know, it's you're in the moment you're creating it and then you let it go and it's just out in the world. It's its own thing. And then you go on to the next project. And, and uh, so you just like, you just don't store all that in your brain, you know? Thank, thank God for, like I put it, I put everything on Google Docs and I have the app on my phone. Thank God. It's like, I can just like, I can, I have a pretty good memory for like where different bits of information are that I've scattered throughout these stories. So I can just go and pull up the story. I'm like, Oh, what, what is the name of that secret society? Or what is the name of the planet that these people went to? Um, oh, I know what book that was in. And then I like have to pull, and then I'm like, uh, and I kind of generally remember what chapter it might be in. So, but yeah, it would be great to have it all in, in one place, but I'm not that committed. And I don't want to be the, the, the guy who makes his own wiki. So I'm not, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I would love to have like just a small cult following. Um, I don't, you know, realistically, you know, you're not going to be the next Stephen King or J.K. Rowling. I mean, it's possible, but the odds are infinitesimal. And right. I don't know. That so you just write what makes you happy, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know that you want to be because it's like, you know, they don't have normal lives now. So um, yeah. I can handle the money. Um, yeah. The money. But, the other right. stuff. Yeah. There's a lot that comes with it. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'd want the, the fame, the fortune. Sure. But I kind of yeah. like, kind of like just doing my own thing, but uh, exactly. I'm, I'm happy if anyone buys my book, you know, to be honest, I'm like, and I'm like, then, you know, they, yeah, buy, or they have they have good things yeah. to say about it. I'm like, wow, that okay, thank you. You know, yeah, I was very touched. Everybody, like, a lot of other people at work did bought it. I don't, I don't know that most of them have read it, <laughs> but um, I know one one person did because they kept on asking a lot of questions, which was cool. But um, but yeah, just the the the, the it's very supportive whenever anybody does that. Um, I'm amazed that I've sold as many as I as I the, as I have honestly um because i really was just like a lot of it i was just like i just want this out in the world just for myself just to know that it's out there and like i'm hoping that you know someday someone will discover it and be like wow i really like this book um uh, but i really just thought like i'd be happy if just two or three people <laughs> you know right. read it liked it you know that's good enough for me um but yeah i'm amazed it's it's, it's done as well as it has and to, to go back to what you were saying earlier um, about, uh, like, um, I've lost my train of thought. I don't about know. people reading your yeah. book? Uh, people, was that the tie you were going to come back to? The, the... I don't know, dude. I totally, I, I totally lost it. That's okay, it was, man. That's all yeah. right. There was something you had said earlier that really I was like, oh, I need to say something about that because I could relate to it so much, but I don't remember what it is now. Oh, the people, the fact that people buy your book and and uh, 
you had mentioned that that people at work were buying it and yeah it's just a thrilling the fact that anyone would would buy the book or they would read it and have anything good to say you know if they take the time to give it a review or, or say something nice especially people i don't know that's that's amazing if it's someone i know that's one thing and i and i still appreciate it because i think they mean it they wouldn't they've yeah. gained nothing by trying to flatter me but when it's a complete stranger who likes your work that's that's kind of crazy oh yeah yeah definitely well i've only got a few more questions uh this has been a, a really quick and wonderful uh wonderful interview so what Thanks. advice would you give anyone who wants to write in a way like uh, like like the old nike ad just do it um because i think I, i've known so many brilliant people who i think are way better writers than i am but they they have they don't have anything out there um and i and, and i think it's just like just do it and like when i have so many friends who like unfortunately like facebook is their major platform for writing like creative writing and it's like really good writing they'll just write little snippets of things like funny stuff or or like what seems like the beginning of a story and i'm like oh my god this is so good like but then like i don't know what it is they just they they're not you know, they're, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm not like one tenth the writer you are, but like, I'm putting crap out there. Just do it, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I, and I think some people just get hung up on maybe the process, or or maybe just like it's like I must find the right words, and 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 that's very important. But I think the important thing is just just get it out there. You know, you can always try to polish it later, um, but you have to have some kind of form that it has to there has to be something there first for you to polish, you know? Right. Um, yeah, and, you can't and, let perfectionism stand in the way. You got to get it out yeah. there first. Then you can always go back and edit. There's, that's part of the process. Right. Drafting is creative. You shouldn't be censoring yourself. It's not going to be perfect, but just get it out into some shape. And then you look at it and then you could, you could make your refinements. Yeah. Definitely. I totally get um, it. And just, yeah, just be yourself. Like um, don't try to be somebody else. I mean, there, there's a lot of, there are many homages and, 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 and kind of ripoffs of things in my books. Um, but it's all, it's, it's, it's because I love it. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to, to like, I'm, I'm trying to put my own spin. Like, I'm trying to like, look at things like, what is the thing that I loved about this thing? Like, still like with Doctor Who, like, I was, like what, what, is the, what is the thing distilling it down to like its core? It's like, there's a mystery, you know, and it can be, but it can take any form you want. It can be comedy. It can be Western. It can be historical. It can be sci-fi. And, and I love that, that freedom. Um, so I would say, yeah, just it can be fantasy. Just, just do t t find what you really love and, and just, just run with it. Um, find out like, what is the essence of the thing that you like the most and, and try to put that into it um, and put yourself into it. Like we were talking about yeah nice and the last question robert where can we find your books well um currently the shadow of death is it's only available through through kdp but um the 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 uh, other books in the series that are planned are all going to be published through serious corvid publishing oh, nice. um and uh and also all these short stories that i've been writing um are going to be collected into like volumes that happen in between the books so we're calling them like the 0.5 books so there's a 1.5 book um which is set between the shadow of death and the next book which is called beyond the veil of death 
And, uh, and then, so that's going to be released at the same time as, uh, so I have actually two books coming out in November uh, of this year. So we've got the, the 0.5 book, which, or 1.5, which I still haven't, we still haven't come up with a definite title on that one. Might be called Tales from a Dead End World. Um, and, uh, and then Beyond the Shadow of the Death is the sequel. So that's going to be available through Curious Corvid Publishing. They have their own website um, that they, they sell their books on as, as well as Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble. Um, so bit, bit, bit wider release um, than, than, the, than the, uh, the first book. I've never heard of the publisher before. Do they, do they have specialty markets or they, they do promotion and stuff for you? Or is it like a KDP service? Or, um... it's, um, it's the same publisher that, that Stephanie goes, is going through for her, her vampire series. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they're, they're a small, small press. They, they kind of um, do their books through Ingram, some spark, is that what it's called? Sure. But, um, yeah. and then they do all the marketing and, and stuff for you. Oh, nice. Because that's, that's, that's what was driving me nuts is once I had it out there, you know, like trying to do the marketing stuff, I found it to be like really distracting. Yeah. And I, I kind of, I tried to have fun with it. I made some wacky ads back to the future characters and stuff and, and, and Indiana Jones and like all stuff that I love, like, you know, finding the book or promoting the book. And, but ultimately I was like, man, like marketing the book, it, it's re- really expensive and time consuming. And I, I, it's like a whole nother job. Um, so yeah, I was like, I'm going to start looking for a publisher. And, and mainly that was just because I don't like, pr- like doing the, the self-promotion stuff aside from these podcasts, podcasts are fun. Um, but the other stuff, it's just so time consuming and distracting you know it's like i just this is like all i look at it like this is all time i could be using to write um and i'd much rather be doing that um and then they're so they're they're like wonderful i met i i met them through instagram um and they are you know looking for, for submissions and they they said that they you know were were oppressed that was interested in the you know the strange and unusual and i was like you know like like lydia deets i was like i myself am strange and unusual like, mm-hmm. let, let me let me test this theory but they uh they, they write a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of their publishers are very uh, their, their writers are very gothic uh writers a lot a lot of horror um a lot of poetry um but they they do sci-fi they do they do a little bit of everything um that's and, cool and so I fit in there well in a weird way because I do a little bit of everything. Right. So, yeah. Nice. Excellent. Well, Robert, I want to thank you for being on the show and, and it has been really great to get to know you and, and I'm excited that you have so many books coming out. That That's really thrilling. I've just been like writing nonstop since like 2019. <laughs> um, just whenever I can, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's like a, a strange addiction, man. I get and it, man. I, I feel guilty when I'm not doing it. Right. I, no, I, I have a it. special guest star here. This is the the orb <laughs> of, uh, of of uh, sinister, and it, it even does this strange little. I don't know if this is going to show up, but inappropriate. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> that's good. Well, I'm going to do my commercial. And we're going to get out of here. All right. Now you've been watching and listening to Between the Lines. You can find us at unsaneradio.com. Listen to full episodes or download to your device. You can watch us on our YouTube page, Between the Lines Podcast. If you're watching, that's where you're at. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And also you can find us on the Hotel Talk channel on Roku. 
If you know someone who would like our show, tell them about us. And if you're a writer and would like to join me for a chat, email me at betweenthelines54 at yahoo.com, betweenthelines54 at yahoo.com. And Robert, here is my cheesy outro. <laughs> See you next time, Between the Lines. Between the Lines. <laughs>